want to say welcome here to the Center for Spiritual Living Midtown and also want to wish you a happy new year. Can you believe it? We are in a new year. So yes, yes. Um, with this new year, our theme for the month is a grand rising. So appropriately so, and today I can just say, looking out, everyone, it is a true grand rising. You all are great. Thank you for being here. Want to say a big thanks to the Center for Spiritual Living Midtown Board. They have done an outstanding job in continuing on what Dr. Bob has been able to create for us here. Um, we've got a great community. We invite any and each of you to be part of this community. Dr. Bob's retirement is a special occasion for us today, and we're thrilled to have Dr. Bob here, his family, Wendy, Sophie, and all the uh, members here today. Um, it's, it's always an honor to have everyone here, but this occasion is really, really, really special for us today. There are quite a few well wishes, Dr. Bob, um, Douglas, they were not able to be here, but they sent their well wishes. Diane and April, they are in Florida, said that they would be attending online. Uh, Norman Roberts wishing uh, well wishes. Charlotte Harper sent in her well wishes. So quite a few, it was um, a few, those are just ones that I can remember, but there were quite a few well wishes for you and your big day today. So the Center for uh, Midtown, we have been able to continue to have the services. We've been able to have some outstanding speakers. And Dr. Bob, I'm gonna have to say thank you to you because a lot of the speakers have been your friend that you referred. And that's always a good thing to have your support. So your friends have been really outstanding. And we do appreciate you and admire you for being able to help and assist us along the way. So as you guys know, the end of the year donations is here. We are a nonprofit. So we have a 501c3 federal designation, meaning that any donations that you make would be tax deductible. So we'd like to be one of your charities that you consider for your end of the year giving. We are in the process of looking for a full-time minister. So we're building up our savings and we're also uh, making sure that the operations continue. So your donations are welcome. Um, another group that I would just like to say thank you to are the practitioners. The practitioners have been just pulling double duty. Uh, we've been in prayer. We've been supportive of the whole Center for Spiritual Living, the wholeness in and of itself. And as you can see, the community continues to be strong and to grow. The other group that I would like to say thank you to is our volunteers. We have a number of volunteers that's required to keep the operation going. There is Connie, actually there's just everybody, Connie, Gant, Jeff, uh, Richard. Um, Rule is here today. Um, most of you may not know Rule. Rule, you may know him, I should say, through Maya. Maya is a practitioner here. And um, she, and Judy, they're on the speaker committee, which have done an outstanding job. Rule, we certainly do appreciate you. He's always in the background, but you all always hear behind every good woman, there's a good man. So thank you, Rule. Thank you, Richard. <laughs> so, um, 
Today, we got a special speaker, Reverend Susan Zoller. I guess I've been known Reverend Susan Zoller. Oh, I'm going to just stop at 25 years, Susan. <laughs> but this, this uh, today, this reverend, this person certainly is bringing in a treat. I know Susan to be fun. She's very, very much well accomplished in all that she's done. She's a teacher. Um, she has been in the industry, say, 30 plus years. So we will be hearing from her, and her message is a perspective, a matter of perspective. So she's going to give us some insight on that matter of perspective. So here we go with our opening affirmation prayer. I believe. I believe. I believe in one God. One absolute power and first cause to all things. I believe that this power is perfect love. And creates out of a desire to express love. I believe all thought is creative and how I choose to think creates my personal experience. I believe in the unity of all life. And the immortality of the individual soul. Forever unfolding. I believe. I believe. I believe in the eternal goodness. The eternal goodness of God. The eternal loving kindness. And the eternal givingness of God to all. And so it is. And so it is. And so it is. So guys, we've got some um, wonderful um, messages today. I just want to say thank you to some special guests that we have. Essie and Elton, we certainly appreciate your presence here. And then we've got a visitor, Dana, all the way from Kuwait. Yes, welcome, Dana. Glad to have you on today. So a perspective. A perspective for me would be my point of view. So when I look at the word perspective, it takes me again to my point of view. And here's what I've been able to um, conclude from my point of view. It's been my point of view that has caused all of the experiences I have had in my life. So when my point of view was good, needless to say, I had good experiences. When my point of view my perspective was not good, then neither were those experiences that good. And it wasn't until I began taking the classes here at CSL, the center here, understanding the principles, the universal principles and how to use them. And the insight for me came on where I was attaching myself. So my perspective on what my life was, was determined by my point of view. And the attachments were so ingrained, I kept repeating the experience, if it was good or if it was bad. But oftentimes it was more bad than good. And through the teaching here, through the classes, I learned about another tool, detachment. So it was through detachment that I could still have the experiences in life. My perspective still remained the same, but the tool of detachment taught me how not to remain attached to those experiences that were not healthy experiences, to those experiences that were not good, to those experiences that caused the frustration, to those experiences that were harmful or brought about ill feeling. 
So I'm forever grateful for the opportunity to be able to learn about the universal principles and how to use them in my life. So I want to share with you, make sure your perspective is one that aligns with your higher power and that you too are creating the experiences in your life that you so desire. So if you would join me now, I'm going to do a treatment for peace. Peace is one of the experiences that I often treat for simply because it brings a stillness and a quietness to my mind. So we will be looking at peace. And as we center ourselves, we come to know and to recognize that there is just the one, the universe in and of itself, the source of all things, the manufacturer of all things. It is this knowing in this oneness, in this source that says, I am one with this wonderful, beautiful source. It is this knowledge of the knowing of the oneness of the universe, of the one source in and of itself. I can co-create with spirit to create an experience of peace in my life at any point, at any time. It is this wonderful use and the wonderful knowledge of the universal principle of the oneness that says I am one with all. And in this oneness, I offer up to the world, I offer up to everyone, I offer up to the people here present today, I offer up to the people online the experience of oneness as a co-creator with spirit, as a co-creator with the universe, as a co-creator with the oneness, with the source. This peace I give to you. It is this peace I say, peace, be still. And for this experience, I am grateful. And so it is. Okay, guys, grateful, grateful, grateful. Grateful to have our outstanding speaker today as our technology department continues to do a wonderful job. Y'all, let's give Vance a hand. Yes, fantastic. <laughs> Nonstop. We appreciate you, Vance, and also you as well, Sylvia. Thank you. So um, Reverend Susan Zoller has been a minister for over 30 years that I am aware of. And today she's going to grace us with her knowledge, her experience. And what I know about Susan, she is such a fun, fun person. So I want you guys to help me welcome here to the center of Midtown Center for Spiritual Living here at Midtown, Reverend Susan Zoller. Yes. Okay, I admit it, I'm fun. <laughs> it's true. At 1.15 on the morning of April 18, 1955, Albert Einstein died in Princeton, New Jersey. Now, the pathologist on duty was Dr. Thomas Harvey, and his routine, he performed an autopsy. And a routine part of that routine autopsy was removing the brain. So he considered it the most important moment of his entire life. <laughs> 
And he thought it was so important that he took that brain himself and left with it. He did. He wanted to study. He did this without any permission. He wanted to study the Einstein's brain, hoping to find out what made this man so special that he could decipher the workings of the universe, because he did. Turns out, as they studied it, that he had 15% larger parietal lobes right here, I checked, on his brain. And uh, did this difference make him able to conceive of relativity? You know, we don't know. We do know that Big Al thought differently than other people. He tended to think in pictures rather than words. I don't know how he did that, but he did. An intense study of his brain did not and could not answer the questions of Einstein's consciousness. Now, the nervous system, which includes the brain, has been repeatedly poked and prodded and cut up and looked at, and we still don't know where consciousness originates. We don't. It's not the brain. The brain is part of the nervous system, but it's not the mind, the greater mind of consciousness, the universal mind. In fact, the nervous system, which includes the brain, operates within the consciousness. The consciousness that we have is not a subsection of the brain. The brain is within it. So we're walking around in an ocean of consciousness all the time. Now, we talk a lot about consciousness in religious science. We do. Um, science of mind, which is what Ernest Holmes, the founder, called religious science, is the study of understanding and using our consciousness to affect the circumstances of our lives. Ken Schultz always said, there's a power for good in this universe, and you can use it, and so can I. And this is what he's talking about. He was talking about our use of consciousness, where we know that we know, and we can think about what we can think about. Now, there are multiple levels of that, but I'm talking about the conscious levels, and then we have all those subconscious things going on that we're not necessarily aware of. You know, well-known minister David Alt teaches CIE, which is consciousness is everything. C-I-E, consciousness is everything. And we hear the term consciousness used in so many venues, in so many ways. You know, the Christ consciousness, consciousness rising, a new consciousness of earth, altered consciousness. There's so many things that it's used as. You know, it's the national consciousness, as we think about that as we're coming up into another presidential election. So what is this consciousness? Here's the point. You hear it, you hear it, and sometimes there's a circular definition. What is this word? It's this. Well, what does this word mean? This. But here's what Merriam-Webster had to say about consciousness. It is the quality or state of being aware, especially of something within oneself or an external object, state, or fact. So I'm going to go over that again so we make sure you have it. It is the quality or state of being aware, especially within oneself, or some external thing such as an object, a state, or a fact. But now we as religious scientists always turn to our founder, Ernest Holmes. He was a mystic. He just understood things. And he said that nothing that he said was new. He looked at all the world's great religions and found the commonalities. And so he taught that consciousness is indeed awareness. But even more than that, consciousness is the fabric of the universe. It is what makes everything. Everything. Uh, it's energy. You know, we say this is an energetic world, and it is. It's an energetic field, and everything in it is either energy slowed down or sped up. It looks so solid to see this podium or your table or whatever, but when we slow down and we begin looking smaller and smaller, there are huge gaps in there that we can't perceive 
because we're just not able to see that small. But when you get down to the lowest level, there is nothing there but vibrating energy. And yet this world seems so real, doesn't it? So solid. But it's consciousness. It, our world is an energetic field. In fact, right now, if you had something to tune it in, there's all kinds of energy coming through this room. You could get a television tuned to a station. You could uh, tune a radio. There's so many ways you could do this. We don't necessarily perceive them without some kind of an instrument, but it's full of energy going through here. And by the way, every time we think, we feel, we experience, we're emitting waves of energy because that's how energy travels in one form or way. It looks either like this or it looks like a slinky going back and forth. I know you wanted to know that when you came here today, just so you'll be aware of it. And what we know is that the consciousness in this universe created everything that is. You, me, the lights, the grass, the gravel outside, whatever. It's everything. And psychology and quantum physics, don't lose me now, have proven this. Uh, just remember, you don't have to really know a lot about physics or psychology to follow what I'm going to say today. But I'm sure that that's what you woke up thinking about. You know, I'm going to go there and I'm, I'm just really hoping they're going to have a talk on quantum mechanics today. And some of you are thinking, oh, Jesus, God, get me out of here. Is there a test afterwards? But no, no, uh, maybe you didn't wake up thinking that. But, you know, actually most of us, we wonder what consciousness is, you know, what is it? Where is it? How'd I get it? Is it in my brain? You know, consciousness actually is an entire field of academic study. It has been probed and looked at and studied. We still don't totally understand it. I don't know that we ever will in this lifetime, but some people will go to almost any length to understand consciousness. In actuality, when Einstein died about one o'clock in the morning, the autopsy started around dawn. And later that morning, they had a press conference to announce that Einstein had died. Now, I'm not sure exactly when uh, Dr. <clears throat> Harvey, excuse me, Dr. Thomas absconded with the brain, but we do know that during, <laughs> this is so wild, during the press conference, Albert Einstein's ophthalmologist, Dr. Henry, Henry Abrams, rushed in and took his eyes. He did. This really happened. I couldn't make this stuff up. He did. He thought, they thought so highly of Einstein. He was the most intelligent person in the world. He was known worldwide. He hated all the notoriety, but he loved doing different things, and he especially loved scientific study. So if they were going to study his brain, he probably would have been happy with that. But Einstein was very gun-shy about all the notoriety. In fact, he had his body cremated and then take the ashes taken or scattered in a place that is unspecified so people wouldn't make a big deal out of it. Well, despite all the study, all the probing, all the whatever's around it, Einstein's consciousness was not located. It couldn't be located because consciousness is in the quantum field. It's in the tiniest field possible. It's in energy. We can see the effects of energy. Look at the lights. Listen to the sound of my voice coming out waves through the microphone and the speakers. This is all energy. You can experience the effects of it, but can we really see it? We can see the effects of light, but we don't actually see the waves of light that make up all those colors and all those things. Now, Einstein's brain his consciousness, his entire being, was originated in the quantum field. So were you, and so was I. Absolutely. You know, so we go back to Ernest Holmes, and what he taught was that we are all individualized pieces of this huge universal consciousness that contains everything. 
as such, we have access to all the knowledge there is if we learn how to tap into it. And you may be thinking, well, you know, that's just really great, Susan. I still don't understand how to use my iPad, and I've not gotten my, my smartphone to work yet. <laughs> well, not to worry. You know, because you may say, so what good is universal consciousness to me? And I say this. I'm not an electrician, but I can turn on a light. I'm not a mechanic, but I can drive a car. And you have all these things in your life that you use that you don't know how they work. So you take whatever uh, means to you and you say, I can fill in the blank, even though I fill in the blank. Because we can use the car. I can drive a car. I can turn on a light. I can watch television. I didn't make all those things happen, but I'm using them. And what we can do is use the states of consciousness that we have to create the circumstances of my life, of the, the immediate vicinity of my being. We can use it to change our country and we can use it to change this world. Absolutely. If you think we can't change it, you think we're going to hell in a handbasket, it's not true unless you truly choose to believe that and embody it. Absolutely. You know, we don't have to know the origin of consciousness or the innermost workings of physics to access and use psychology and physics to make things happen. Absolutely. You don't have to know all that. There will be a test afterwards, but uh, you don't have to worry if you don't pass. Because, you know, it's really quite simple. I'm going to give you, I think, eight statements, and these are the basis of religious science. I would say they're simple. To totally embody them may not be easy. You know, there are many things that are simple. I know if I quit eating sugar that I would be a lot healthier. That is not necessarily easy for me. I was raised on craving chocolate my entire life. <laughs> you know, I'm sure you have things that you think about. This would be, this is just so simple. Somebody will say, oh, just don't do that. And you think, yeah, right because it would be more difficult for you. But here are these statements. They are simple statements. They're, they're high level, but they're there for us. And this first one, there is a universal intelligence or field of intelligence that we called universal mind. Some people call it spirit, God, Allah, what, by whatever name. Uh, you could call it the Atman in Hinduism. But there is a universal field of intelligence that we can access. Now, each of us is an individual expression of that intelligence. And some of you may be thinking, I feel so intelligent most of the time. You still have access. Your belief that you can't access the intelligence of the universe is going to manifest exactly as you believe. You won't be able to. When we think, we feel, we act, we dream, we're always emitting waves of energy. We're always emitting waves of energy, and they radiate out to us. Some years back, I can't remember the exact year, engineers at IBM photographed the waves of energy of a thought leaving the brain. It's there, and it's been proven with what we consider scientific evidence. Now, this energy we emit, this energy that everyone emits, everything emits an energy, is received in the field of intelligence, which responds accordingly to the energy it gets. Absolutely. The response comes as the circumstances and events and emotional states of our lives. In other words, we put out as Barbara said earlier, we put out loving thoughts. We focus on that. We have loving responses coming to us. We do opposite of that, and we wonder why that we're getting what we're getting. We're the originator here. You know, this is making up our bodies, our ideas, our relationships. It even, believe it or not, affects weather conditions. 
There are people who have gotten together and meditated and done incredible things when a whole bunch of people got together and meditated simultaneously. Now, one thing about this universal intelligence is it's not going to evaluate or judge what it sees. Our input, it just takes it. And it creates accordingly. If I say, I'm a divine manifestation of the Most High God, not just once, but that's what I really believe consistently, I'm going to come from a piece of life that definitely my piece of life is showing that I'm a manifestation of the Most High. Absolutely. Now, it does not say... Susan, you didn't mean that silly bad thought you're putting out. That person in front of you who cut you off on 285 is not going to ascend in a blaze of glory to be hit by a bolt of lightning. No matter what, you didn't mean. No, it says, it doesn't say, okay, I, that person that cut you off, the big pow. No, it means that I am putting out negative energy to something and whether it looks like it or not, it comes back to me as negative experiences. I had someone who just really thought she was Miss Religious Scientist tell me something about someone. And it was really negative. It was a long narrative that was negative that I kept trying to ignore and couldn't. And finally I said, you know, you're really focusing a, a lot of negativity on this person. She said, well, it's not about me, so it doesn't come back on me. And I thought, mm-hmm, okay. Boy, howdy. But what we know is all our thought is creative. And what we know, it's up to us what we choose to think. You may not believe that. You may say something happens and this is what I think automatically. You don't have to think that. There are other possibilities. We can teach ourselves to respond rather than react. To respond with a different thought, with a different emotional state because our Emotional states usually come directly right from our thoughts. Absolutely. So it's not just that one thought where you go, you know, blah, 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 blah. Whatever it's about, it's negative. Maybe it's angry and negative. That one time you think, and you go, oh my God, I thought a negative thought. Now I'm thinking of, about thinking a negative. And no, 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 that's not it. It's our consistent patterns of thinking. Unless... We latch on to an idea and we totally, what uh, in uh, Stranger in a Strange Land, a, a classic science fiction book said, we grok it. In other words, we totally get it on a cellular level. That's powerful. And we add emotion to that conviction and it's like pouring gasoline on a fire. So we need to choose what we are focusing on. We don't always know what's in our subconscious. We may not realize some of the things we believe, but they are operating consistently and they matter. So it's simple, isn't it? Change your thinking, change your experience. Let me say this. A radio tuned to a specific frequency will give you a specific radio station that's broadcasting their particular brand of whatever. Now, you may just enjoy, think about what is your favorite kind of, of radio station listen. Somebody call out one. Rock? Okay. And RFG is rock, I take it. Essie? Yeah, what is it? Okay, blues, rock. Let's say you like that kind of music and you really have got your radio set up first thing in the morning, you crank that up and it gets you going. And then suddenly, one day, you go to that radio and you turn it on and what's something you really dislike hearing on the radio? Commercials? Talk radio, I've heard, you know, rap. It just depends on the person. Everybody's different. But the thing that you most dislike is coming out of that radio. You're horrified. Where is my RFK or RFG or whatever that radio station was? Where is my rock? Where are my blues? And you think, well, damn, or something else. Um, you know, 
what you and I usually do is we go to the radio and we change the frequency and we tune in something more to our liking. Okay, very simple. I don't like what's on there. Change the station. But not everybody does that if we look at that as life. You know, um, it's simple, it's easy, but it's also a matter of perspective. Now, there are people who will change the channel. There are people who will be happy with what comes out anyway. There are people who will begrudgingly listen to the content unliked and unwanted. Another group, probably frustrated and complaining, may hit the table with the radio exclaiming, bad radio, wrong radio, stupid radio. What is wrong with you, radio? And it doesn't, it doesn't change anything, does it? Absolutely nothing. There, you know, these kind of people will frequently find someone to blame. I know my, fill in the blank, husband, child, friend, whatever, change the station and fix it so I can't change it back. Blame them absolutely for what's coming in life. You know, uh, don't you touch my radio. They say convince someone else made it happen. But the last group may simply give up, turn off the radio, maybe even break it and leave. If that radio station is an analogy for our lives, where do we fall on that spectrum of responses? You know, to react or respond is a choice, even if we don't feel like it is. Well, Susan, you may be thinking, all we have to do is change the radio. No need for all this fuss and going on about it. It's simple, you may think, that is as long as you understand how a radio works. If you don't, you got a problem. And it's like that in life, isn't it? Absolutely. Here's a big question. The title of today's theme throughout CSL is A New Dawn. What does all this have to do, Einstein, his brain, his eyes, and a radio station, have to do with this week's theme? Well, it dawned on me the other day that despite my training, I was putting a whole lot of it into something I do not and did not want to experience. Did any of you ever do that? Only one or two of us, I know. But really, I think we all have experiences like that. So what is the dawn that I'm speaking about? Well, as a noun, because it can be used as a noun or a verb, is the first appearance of daylight or the beginning of anything. So as a noun, it's the beginning of daylight or the beginning of anything. As a verb, however, it is the beginning or rise of anything, but also beginning to open or to develop. Beginning to open or develop. Now, each of those descriptions is accurate. But every aspect of the word dawn has spiritual implications. Dawn is the coming of the light, the coming of understanding and enlightenment, as you might say. Dawn brings the new. Dawn begins when we open to new ideas and we're able not only to be exposed to them, but to develop them, to mature what is beginning. Do we do that with everything? No. Contemplating a new idea, a way of being, is in itself an opening, just even being aware that you've attracted that idea somehow into your sphere of being. You know, like, like those people on the, listening to the radio, we have a choice. Do I accept this idea? Do I reject it? You know, uh, it's not necessarily an either-or situation. It can be an evolution, a progression. Presented with something new, I frequently uh, have been a member of each of those radio groups, and uh, change is frequently neither black or white, it's a continuum. You know, the belief that God or this spirit does not judge or punish was not one I grew up with. I'm the granddaughter of an itinerant Southern Baptist minister. This was not something that I heard of from uh, the legacy passed down. Let me say this. Accepting responsibility for the circumstances of my life 
uh, I hadn't heard that. You know, I was done unto. In other words, I was a victim. If it was predestined, I had to do it too bad whether I liked it or not. Now, the process I went through usually uh, contained denial, complaint, rejection, consideration, contemplation, and finally, perhaps acceptance and embodiment. Don't we do that on a lot of things? And we may go back and forth between some of these ideas. When you first came to a New Thought Church, did you just hear everything go, that's it, I accept it totally, I believe it, and that was it? I remember going up to Ken Schultz and saying, well, what about the way of life and the truth? There's no man coming to the Father except by me. He looked at me and said, I'm not doing that here. I'm just not doing that here. In other words, he wasn't going to do all that. But, and it was good because we had been there for three or four weeks. And, you know, what does this universal field of intelligence, this God, this spirit, have to do with this? It is taking the energy it receives and it is creating accordingly, as I said. Absolutely. Even as a child, there was something within me that did not believe that this big man up in the sky, 50 feet tall, sitting on an uncomfortable gold throne, was going to burn me or eternally roast me without basting. Literally, think about it. Was I going to burn eternally or even for a, a minute for something I never saw, I never experienced? I kind of didn't believe it. I never believed in the concept of hell, and I didn't worry about going to hell, although I heard a lot about it at times. You know, um, I believe there was something greater. I didn't know what it was. I didn't. I believe there was something different from my Baptist background. You can see that Baptist background in big, tall man up in the sky sitting on a throne, a flunky legion of angels taking notes on everything I did and said, and what body parts I used, and you know, who I was using them with, really. You know, the energy I put in to believing that, it was totally accepted, and it went on and created opportunities for me to be exposed to other philosophies, and ultimately, it led me to science. Without even knowing what this something greater was, the contemplation of its possibility opened doors. The universe responded. I didn't just say it once or twice. I totally, totally accepted that that's the way it was. And it was the first light of dawn for me. I looked into Native American spirituality. But, you know, it happened over time till somebody said, you want to go downtown? There's this church of psychics down there. We can go listen. I said, well, what do they say to each other? They just sit there and think and everybody knows what they're thinking. And then I walked into the uh, Atlanta Church of Religious Science and found out it was something quite different. Now, to have a new dawn, a new awakening, a new awareness requires a change of perspective, a new way of seeing things. And we heard the word perspective a lot. And what does it actually mean? It means understanding from a technical point of view, spatial relationships, which is Here's this thing, and this thing is this far to it. This is this close. This is how they're interacting and being. That's what perspective is. When you change your standpoint, where you're looking from, what we call in physics, your frame of reference, your perspective changes. You know? Now, Einstein, as I said, had 15% bigger parietal lobes. I mean, you know, he was big where it counted, I guess. And uh, simply put, his part of the brain that understands spatial relationships was 15% larger than everybody else's they studied. There were 91 brains they studied other than his. So um, he was not the average bear as far as size of brain occurred. In fact, every part of his brain was different than the norm. And despite there was extensive uh, uh, photography of the brain when it was still whole, and then it was cut all up into little pieces and studied under the microscope. And actually, Einstein's brain went all over the world to different people. 
It did, amazingly. Uh, but they never found out how to understand the cosmos from looking at that brain. Because the brain is not the mind, capital M, which means the big mind. It is in universal mind individualizes us as consciousness. Okay, you're not going to find that looking at a physical object because it's quantum. It's very tiny. So how did Einstein come up with the theory of relativity, you may be thinking? And what is relativity anyway? Well, part of the theory of relativity is that there are many things about it, but is that energy and matter are interchangeable. Energy and matter. The energy of a thought can become physical matter. And you know what that's like? It's like prayer. It's like what we call spiritual mind treatment. A, a random thought is not very creative, but a focused thought is very creative. And that's how prayer works. I believe physics shows us. So how did Olau come up with E equals MC squared? Because that's the boiled down to this particular formula. Well, he thought in pictures and he visualized now, I, he did this. He visualized he was riding on a wave of energy going as fast as is possible, which is the speed of light. And from there, he understood a lot about how the cosmos worked. His time and energy spent in contemplating the mere idea and then that specific visualization came back to us as the theory of relativity. Where did this come from? not from his parietal lobes, they may have been involved, but it came from his consciousness, his connection with the infinite mind. And once again, you don't have to be an engineer to drive a car, and you don't have to grasp physics to get this. Yes, he was smart. He was reading college physics books at 11 years old. Yes, he thought differently from other people, but all of us think differently from everyone else. Let's face it, if you boil it down, Einstein was a Jew who left Germany to escape Nazism. The house that he loved was confiscated by the Nazis and turned into a youth group center. You know, that really hurt him. You know, Einstein loved women, but he was a terrible uh, husband and father. Absolutely. And he was sometimes weird. When he moved to Princeton, he got on the bus. And if someone was in what he considered his seat, he turned around and got right back off and waited for another bus at his, his seat open. An unusual guy. You know, um, he was a little weird at times. But still, he had something to express that was so impactful. You know, there is actually a lot of speculation and solid evidence to believe that his first wife came up with most of the theory of relativity. She had better grades than he was. She was in the Physics Institute with him, and it said that he told her they couldn't put her name on the work because no one would read it with a woman's name on it. Hmm. You know, perhaps somebody should have absconded with her brain instead of his. Really. Einstein's, I can say that, Einstein's brain was definitely different. But we cannot reduce soul, spirit, consciousness, and genius to a three-pound blob of gray matter. Absolutely not. And to quote the neurologist Fred Lepore, even today, experts do not know how a piece of gray matter originates an idea or concept. It is incredibly profound question. You and I uh, have things to express. We may think we don't, or we may think we don't know how or how hard it would be. Remember, there's no evaluation. Susan, no, have that silly thought, I'm not going to listen, does not happen. Put out there that there is a way, even if you don't know what it is. Sure thing. You don't know what it is, but it is there. So all we need for a new dawn is a new perspective. You say, but I don't know how. Don't worry. Infinite mind does. Those of you who have ears, here's to ear. 
ears to hear. I knew what I meant. Um, spirit, the intelligent field, does know how and will make the way possible. It's up to us. If we believe world peace is impossible, if we believe there will always be homeless and hungry people and war, so it is. If we choose to believe the opposite, it becomes possible in that moment. You know, believing these things changes all the rules. It does. The desire to change our thinking makes it possible to change our lives, even if we don't know how. I came kicking and screaming to religious science, but you know what? I changed my life. Anytime we truly decide it is so, it is a new day, and it is for the world, a new dawn. Thank you for joining here today with me. Namaste. Aloha. Blessed be, amen, and if you care to join, and so it is. Thank you, Susan. There was a lot to take in this morning. So um, thank you. I'm going to go over our affirmation of prosperity really quick. Thanks, everybody online. Um, we know you're going to disappear in a minute <laughs> because that's our time. But um, you can donate online at CSL Midtown org slash donate and if you're here in person there's a basket in the back of the room and um that same link you can use cslmidtown.org slash donate on your phone on your computer or anywhere else um so with that said i'm gonna do our <laughs> affirmation of prosperity um i live in a universe of abundance, abundance. As, as i, I freely, freely and joyfully give, give i join in the divine flow, flow. And all that I share with life returns to me, multiplied abundantly. And so it is. All right. Um, so you online are we're going to stop. And then I'm going to turn the Zoom over so that we, we can still stay in the room because we get a special presentation. So I'm going to turn it over to our board president, Lee Huffman. Thank you, Vance. Thank you all. Everybody okay back there? We have some excitement going on in the back. <laughs> so, something got tabled. Yes, yes. Susan, thank you for that. That was amazing. I um, love the connecting Einstein, connecting all this together um, in a way of that really makes it beautiful. I want to thank everybody um, for coming. And um, we have several announcements today, but at the end, I like to. Uh, we have a special announcement, a special recognition. So um, just some things that are coming up. Uh, Boost is online on Tuesday uh, from 12 to 12.30. Practitioners are still doing that, and it's good. Um, the study group, remember, on Sunday, online from 10 to 10.45, and that's fantastic. And then service here next Sunday, um, same place, or online, um, 11 to 12. So... Um, um, let me look at my notes here. I'm going to walk through. The transition team is still working together for that next week. And um, without further ado, I'd like to bring up Reverend Bob Dean, uh, Robert Dean, <laughs> and uh, Reverend Dr. Robert Dean, uh, who most of us know as Dr. Bob. And um, as he comes up, I want to give you some background about um, how Bob got here and... <laughs> I just um, really, Bob, when Reverend Paul told me he was going to retire in a year, uh, we had just brought or just um, contracted or agreed with Bob to come and teach a practitioner uh, weekend up in the mountains. And um, I got to talking to him there, and um, Paul knew this as well, that he might be someone that we could entice to come back here. Not because of us, honestly, but because of two lovely ladies here in the back, his daughter and his granddaughter <laughs> that are here. And uh, Bob grew up in CSL here in Atlanta. And um, I just am so pleased. Uh, we have been through so much while you're here with COVID and everything, the changes in the centers. And I just am so pleased with the practitioners that have supported you and the way that you have led us spiritually and business-wise. 
And um, I was your vice president for a while, and then I came back, and you jumped, and I took on as a president. <laughs> and so here I am. <laughs> and so I just really um, have seen so many wonderful things, but so many challenges that we've never seen before as a world, honestly. And so I wanted to give you a chance to talk, and then I want to bring up uh, practitioners and volunteers uh, for some recognition as well, and also board members. And we'd like to get a group photo when we're done here as well. So lots going on. That's all yours, Bob. I didn't know about this. I didn't plan anything, um, which is probably well. I, I, yes, make on the cuff, off the cuff. Well, I have to say it feels wonderful and strange. Uh, the last two months since I left, I have been wandering in the Northwest and part of the time in a, in a van with just me in the van and lots of rain and cold on the beaches and a lot of time at our camp at Camp Cedar Ridge in, um, in Oregon where I just got to hang out and be me and, and, and process the sadness for leaving you. Um, you guys have been my heart and soul for the last five years and some of you for the last 30 years. Susan and I were in class together to become ministers along with Judy and some others. Most of us are no longer out here doing it, but for those of us who are, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to see the change and the growth. Thank you for that, Susan. And um, so I'm back with that sadness, having, been, having grieved it, I'm somewhere along the way towards acceptance that uh, I'm moving on and you're moving on and and I, and I also spent this time talking to lots of people and asking the question, what are we now? What does CSL need to be now to contain this amazing teaching of ours? And I don't have any answers yet, but I have some indications. And that is that the structures that worked 20 years ago and 10 years ago and even five years ago are obsolete. And we have a new teaching and pouring it into old wineskins, as Jesus said a long time ago, is just nuts because it'll break. It won't hold it. It can't hold it. So we and you are the ones who are going to find those new wineskins, those new forms, those new shapes, because this teaching will not go away. This teaching is, is, has been around for many centuries, long before New Thought, and long before Holmes even was writing it down. So it'll continue. We get to choose and, and, and direct where that's going to go. And I say we because I'm still in the game. I'm still on some CSL committees. I'm looking at what my involvement's going to be in that in the future. And I'm just, uh, you guys have taught me so much. This has been my learning place, too, as we have faced things that, like you said, we never faced before. But, you know, I will, I'm not going to take longer, I promise. What we did face back in the day when I first came into this teaching was the HIV crisis. And we watched our friends die and we watched our friends go away. And we found the ways for this teaching to address that, that transformed the response to that disease. And it did so by our marching in the streets. It did so by our doing the things and taking the stands that we had to take to wake the world up and say, hey, folks, pay attention. We haven't lost that power. We haven't lost that ability. And we have got to continue to find that place within each of us where we know we have the power to change the world because we do. We did then, we do now, and we will in the future. So hang in there. If you've got a crazy idea that everybody else thinks is nuts, talk about it anyway. Bring it up because that's how this newness will take shape and form as we go forward. And I don't know what it's going to look like. I have no clue. In fact, I know less today than I did three weeks ago, because the more I ask questions, the more confused I get. But out of that confusion, something better is going to come. So, so hang in there, folks, and do it. And I, I think CSL Midtown has a, has a grounding in this teaching that a lot of places don't. Um, I hear from the young Turks out there about how science of mind doesn't do this and science of mind doesn't say that. And I say, well, you didn't have the teachers we had because we dealt with shadow. We dealt with what's happening in the world and how what I do makes a difference in the world. We still do that in this place every day, every Sunday, all the time. So show up, be part of it, 
speak your truth, argue if you need to, and, uh, you know, we'll find that greater truth somehow, somewhere. Thank you. I'm done. Uh, no, you're not. Come up here. <laughs> uh, why don't we bring up the practitioners, volunteers, um, and um, trustees on the board of trustees? And can you bring that off the table back there? Uh, and I'll let you present that. And I think you have something. Yeah. <laughs> so please come and let's gather around Bob and let's. I know Connie doesn't want to be up here, but we're gonna. I'm gonna bring her up anyhow. <laughs> so, and we have volunteers there that um, people that volunteer to help this place uh, stay together. So, uh, but let's go. Um, okay, and uh, go ahead, uh, Lynn. Well, Dr. Bob, um, when uh, you told us that you were going to retire, I, I felt an immediate connection to it. I could see that it was a really hard decision for you because years before I had decided to sell a business that was everything to me, and but it was time to do it and it was hard. And, and so when I recognized that in you, I was like, well, what can I do? And, um, and so what I did was uh, after I sold my business, I went back to uh, something that had been in me all along and that was um, my ability to paint. And so I painted something for you. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> and I, I had to actually stalk you on the internet to get, to get a, <laughs> he, I, I beamed him up today. He oh, even wow. wore the right hat. <laughs> <laughs> even, yes, he even has the right hat on. Absolutely. And I think you were actually in Oregon, you know, when that was that was And we have a card from everybody here today. And um, we just want to say thank you, Bob, for yes. everything that you've done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. All right. I'm glad I got to speak first. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that might be good. <laughs> so thank you all. Um, you want to take taking some pictures back there. And um, would any other volunteers like to come up? I know that we have yeah, a few people. I yeah, I see you. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to call you out. Okay. It's all good. Okay. Anybody else would like to say anything? Yes. I'll just say thank you for the community. Of course, it's me, Barbara Guillory, practitioner for years. But thank you, Dr. Bob, for the community concept that you live. And of course, this is how we got to where we are. Just take a look. Your friends have just been outstanding in coming to support us. That makes you such an admirable person that you would let us have your friends, your Rolodex. So thank you for, for that. Yes, please. Come, come up, Sylvia. I'll get the microphone. We're still streaming. <laughs> 30 seconds. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Bob, I want to say thank you because you have such an open mind. I'm I'm an open-minded Catholic. Amen. And also shaman and everything open and, and you just accepted me as that and you just gave me more faith to understand more of who I am. Thank you. I love you. Thank you so much. We got All right. Thanks everybody. Um and then we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna rearrange the tables a minute, and then we're, we're gonna. Well, oh, Maya wants to say something. Y'all want to, y'all just want to eat. Um, but I want to definitely want to give you a tribute to Dr. Bob. I just want to just say that I met you, of course, at um, at you were teaching a class at the other center. We were sharing spaces 
uh, we had a message the other day by um, Reverend Raymond who said that uh, the different ministries need to be able to reach out to each other and, and not be so isolated. And you did that hitting the ground. I mean, you weren't even warm here and you already had reached out to the other center and had a collaboration with them. You're such a collaborative, community-oriented person. But I was at that other center, right? But this guy was teaching the class and I'm like, he knows his stuff. If you want to learn about religious science, if you wanna know the principles and understand them and see someone practicing them, uh, this is your guy. So wherever you're going, um, I'm, still, I'm still on your team. I'm still interested in um, learning from you. Um, you have been, changed my life. I know all these people because of you, because of you. And I'm so grateful and thankful. Bob, we just wish you the best in whatever comes next. And I know that, you know, this is a, you know, the universe is, is cheering for you all the way and ready to express through you in greater and greater ways always. So thank you. Thank you for CSL Midtown. This is my home and I love it here. So, and it's still here. So. We wondered about that for a bit, but it is still here and we're doing okay. <laughs>